Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Father, we thank you and once again as we open the scriptures, our desire is to hear you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to the church concerning serving the Lord with integrity. And over and over, the explanation has come that it means leading a life that matches what you profess. A life where your walk and your talk agree with what you say you believe. Today, I want to address three issues with serving the Lord with integrity. Issue number one, Christians who are not changing. Issue number two, the resources that God has provided for the Christian to change. Issue number three, the effect of lack of integrity in the Christian on society. Number one, there are a lot of Christians who are not changing because they say, for me, that's how I am. It has been worsened by this study on temperaments. As for me, I'm choleric. As for me, I'm sanguine. For me, I'm melancholic. So, that's how I am. Now, if that is how you are as a Christian, you will go to hell in a palanquin. Let's read Revelations chapter 21, verse 8. Let's make a roll call of the people who will be in hell. Revelations chapter 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, yes. the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, 
those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be confined to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So, you can't change. That's how you are. You are cowardly. You are unbelieving. You are vile. You are a murderer. You are sexually immoral. You practice magic. You are an idolater. You are a liar. You will enter hell successfully. God is not putting people into hell because they are Hindu. He is not putting people into hell because they are Muslim. He is not putting people into hell because they are Juju men. He puts people in hell because they are sinners. That is the truth. If you are like that, you cannot change. Then who should go to hell? A second argument Christians make is that I've tried to change. It's not working. So I've given up. Thank you. You will go to hell. You will go to hell for that. If the blood of Jesus cannot change you, if the indwelling Holy Spirit cannot change you, if the Bible's promises cannot change you. Who should go to hell? Who should go to hell? If as a Christian, you still cut corners in your business, you still cheat in exams, you still uh, are sexually impure. If, if, if you don't go to hell, is it the Muslim who should go? He, he ha- is not born again. He has no Holy Spirit helping him. He should be put there. If with that you cannot change. If Second Corinthians 5.21 says if anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. All things have become new. If Ezekiel 36 verse 25 to 27 says that I will sprinkle clean water upon them and they will be clean. I will give them a new heart and a new spirit. I will take the heart of stone out of them and give them a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within them and cause them to walk in my statutes and commandments. If that cannot change you and you are born again, who should go to hell? Tell me. If the presence of God's spirit in your life cannot change you, who should go to hell? You can't change. You have tried and you can't change. Okay, then hell is for you. Because if you can't change, if you can't stop stealing, now, how will you behave when you get to the streets of gold? Yeah. You know, sometimes, the, the, what the impression which Christians give us is that grace allows you to be a thief and still get to heaven successfully. Grace, you, you are a thief by grace. You see, you, you, you lack integrity by grace. You cut corners by grace. You are sexually immoral by grace. And by the grace of God, you, you, you are politically a, 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 you know, a fraud, fraudster by grace. By the grace of God, which God has given you, that is why you are like this. If a Christian, Says he has tried to change and cannot change. 
And so that's you have given up. Then you go to hell on a palanquin. Some other people too say, for me, my problem is that I'm not a pastor. That's why I didn't go to be ordained. It's the pastors who are to be without blame. They are to be to that high standard. It's for them. We, the floor members, we do what we like. It's wrong. Colossians 1, 28 says, Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Colossians 1.28 He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. In the Greek text, everyone is used three times. Everyone. 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 In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, the scripture says, God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless before him. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. To be holy and blameless in his sight. If you cannot change, you cannot be holy and blameless, then who should go to hell? Now, Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 says that Jesus is coming for a church that is holy and blameless. He chose a church which is holy and blameless before the foundation of the earth. He is coming for a church which is holy and blameless. Ephesians 5, 25-27 Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy. To make her holy? Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church. Without... Yes. Without stain or wrinkle. To present her to himself. Without wrinkle, without stain. Or any other blemish. Any other blemish. But holy and blameless. You see? He chose a holy and blameless people before the foundation of the earth. He bought a holy and blameless people. He is presenting to himself a holy and blameless people. You can't stop cheating exams. You can't stop. Okay. Who should go to hell? No, let's, let's, let's be reasonable. You see, look at the resources we have. John 14, 23. It says that if you love me, keep my commandments. My father will love you. I and my father will come and make our home with you. You can't change you think it's for the pastor. Because you are not a pastor. 97% of all Christians will never become pastors. 97%. Only 3% of Christians ever become pastors. Now, some people to their excuse is that, well, you know, even Jesus, when he was on the earth, he wasn't really a human being. He, he, he was borrowing divine strength, you know, to prop up his character 
in order to live the way he lived. That's wrong theology. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 and 18 says that. It was necessary for Jesus to be made like his brothers in every way. Hebrews 4.15 He says, Jesus, we don't have a high priest who cannot be tempted with our infirmities. But one who was tempted in every way like us, yet without sin. That's what the scripture says. You see, in every way, Jesus was born. Just as you were born. Only he was born in a manger. Yes. Jesus grew. Luke 2, 40 and 52. Jesus was hungry. Matthew 4, 2. Jesus was thirsty. John 19, 28. Jesus slept. Matthew 8, 24. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Jesus was sorrowful. Matthew 26. Verse 27 and 28. Jesus died. John 19, 30. The scripture says, though he was in the form of God, the morphe of God, he did not, you know, consider his equality with God a thing to wrestle with God about. But he emptied himself and took the form of a bond slave. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him, giving him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and 22, says that, this is why you have been called. Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example, that we should walk in his steps, how can we walk in the steps of Jesus if he was not a real human being? Now, there are other people, their excuse is that God does not seriously mean what he is saying in the Bible. I'm glad, uh, Reverend Boama, you made... Uh, Reverend Ibrahim pledged confidence in the Bible. Because some people feel that, well, this is in the Bible, but actually, does it really mean what it says? And does it mean me? One of such verses is Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Please read it for us, for effect. Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The translators saw that you can't do anything about this verse. Because the Greek word telaios is translated in other places as mature. But here they can't do it. Can't say be mature. Therefore, as your heavenly father is mature. So they bring the word down. 
In his sermon on the mount, Jesus tells every Christian that God's standard for all human beings is be perfect. Even as your heavenly father is perfect. Look at the context. He's telling us that we should love our enemies because our heavenly father he gives rain to the evil man and the righteous man. His sun shines on the wicked and the just. Be therefore perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. What makes you think that you among all people even if you lack integrity you will make it to heaven successfully. The day you get to heaven, heaven will scatter. If you manage to get to heaven with a life of lack of integrity, then the Bible is not true. That's it. Because the, the, these things are very plain. Way back in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 17 verse 1. Let's read it. The Hebrew word translated integrity is tamim. Tam tamim. It's a Hebrew word. It is what is used of the sacrifices that they will be blameless and perfect. It is what is used of God himself, of his word, of Job. And that is the meaning. The meaning is perfect. And all of us say, husbands tell their wives, I'm not perfect. Wives tell their husbands, I'm not perfect. Teachers tell their students, I'm not perfect. Pastors tell their church members, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. You are not perfect. But the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who bought you with blood, commands you to be perfect. No Christian worthy of the name can say I'm perfect. But no Christian worthy of the name can stop striving for perfection. That's the truth. Genesis 17 verse 1 When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Walk before me faithfully and be tamim. Genesis 6 9 Noah was tamim before the Lord. Job chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 8. Job was done before the Lord. And God himself said of Job that he was a perfect man. These people did not see the cross of Jesus. They did not watch the resurrection of Jesus. They were no eyewitnesses to the day of Pentecost. They did not have the Holy Spirit living in them like you and I have now. They didn't have a church. No pastors. Few of them had as many Christians as you have. Yet they made it. Enoch walked with God 300 years and God took him. Elijah walked with God and refused to die. And God sent a V8, 4 by 4 to pick him. Yes. And these are people who did not have the blood of Jesus washing them from sin and the Holy Spirit inputting them. They were able to live clean lives of integrity. Look at Daniel. 
Look at the passage. Look at the passage. Politically. You see? 120 provinces with their satraps. And the king looked among them and settled for three of them. And Daniel was one. And he thought of putting him in charge of the kingdom. Because he had an excellent spirit. Not only that, his enemies, Daniel's enemies, were searching for fault in him. And they were desperate. But they found no fault because he was faithful. We are afraid even of Christians in politics now. Because we can trust them. We have 71.2% of Ghana as Christians. But the church cannot produce for us politicians who will take Madagana to integrity. That's where we are now. Every politician almost goes to some church and comes out clean. That's where we have reached now. Personally, I'm afraid now. When a church member of mine wants to enter politics, I am afraid. I know Christians should be in leadership. I am aware of the Bible verses. You will be the head and not the tail. Let your light so shine before men that they give glory. I, I know the verses. But I want Christians with integrity, people who can live so that when they, they stand anywhere in Ghana, they will be blameless. That the country can point to them like they did to Samuel. In First Samuel chapter 12, from verse 1 to 5, the whole nation gathered. And Samuel said, look, I have been your political leader the whole of my, my life. If I have defrauded anybody, if I have cheated anybody, if I have accepted a bribe from anybody, the whole nation, please come against me. And he stood before the whole country and there was nothing on him. Before Jesus came, before born again, before tongue speaking, before Holy Spirit, before the complete Bible, before the full text. What do we need, human beings? What do we need to change? What should be done? What should be done for you? What do you need again? You see? No. Let's come. Let's reason together. Brothers and sisters. I cannot understand. Something. Either I have missed something in the Bible. Which is not clicking in my mind. That you can come to church. And yet accept bribes. In your office. You can be a church member and mix your, your, your granite paste with uh, flour. Eh? I, I can't, my mind cannot grasp how a Christian, you know, can be at the filling station and then be cheating people in serving petrol and issuing receipts which are not true. My, my mind, my heart, my intestines, my entrails, the southwestern corner of my heart cannot understand. 
This is where I am. I cannot understand why a tongue speaking, you know, Christian can cheat in an exam. I can't understand. And now from BC they are cheating. Wasi, West. And even in the university, they are cheating. Not only that, police service, they are cheating. In the exam. That's it. This is where we have got to. And when they are blowing postgraduate tongues, you, you know, the first time I started going to uh, uh, Europe and America, I was shocked that a white man who doesn't go to church is more honest than a tongue-speaking African Pentecost pastor. And I know what I'm talking about. Why? What is wrong? Is it the color of the skin? Is our Christianity Bruniwewu? You know, yes, this morning we read it, Acts chapter 11, verse 17. Peter was saying that these Cornelius and household, they have received the same Holy Spirit as we have. Jesus never wrote a Bible. Jesus never wrote any book of the Bible. Jesus never wrote an epistle. Human beings like you and me wrote the Bible. And if they wrote 1 John 3, 8, that anybody who continues in sin is of the devil, they wrote it, then something must be wrong somewhere. Why? Why? From the servant to the manager. From the, the youth to the professor. If you want to serve God with integrity, with that life, eh? Titus chapter 2 says that one of the things a servant should never do is to steal. Let's read the Titus chapter 2. Probably you may have to start from 9. Yes! This is what I want. I want verse 10, but this must be read. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. To try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted. Even slaves were not to steal. A Christian slave must not steal from the masters. They use a Greek word, nosfizo. It means to steal in bits. You know? You go to the fridge, you cut a small bread, cut, put small margarine on it, put it in your mouth. Mm, 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 mm. And when the mistress is coming, you turn as if you are busy doing something. That, that, you know, stealing in bits, he says that the slave must not steal. Now, pastors steal. Elders are into fraud and brown envelope. What is happening? So whenever you are asked to come and speak about integrity, you don't know what to say. You don't know. I stayed up in the night asking, what shall I come and say? Because I've been speaking about this thing for a long time. And it's not that I'm not seeing a change. It's that the country is not changing. 
Because we are thieves by grace. We are flirting with women by grace. And we are politically seriously corrupt by the grace of God. And all of us believe that you will not change, but you will enter heaven with this life. Didn't you see it? All lies. Everything they mention in the Revelation 21, verse 8, they just mention its name. But as for liars, they said all lies. And what is lying? Lack of integrity. That's the foundation. Anybody who cannot be honest can never have integrity. I challenge every Christian in the world who is preaching that you can be choleric, you can be sanguine, you can be um, what? Melancholic and uh, phlegmatic. To point one Bible verse which supports it. It is a Greek philosophy. It is not biblical. God created man in his image and likeness. And even when we fell, Jesus did not come to redeem part of us. He chose us to be holy and blameless before him. Before the foundation of the world. Not to be phlegmatic or melancholic. Challenging a Bible teacher in the world who says melancholic, now they are signed to Moses, this, Paul, that. Show me the proof. What is the meaning of the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long suffering, goodness, kindness, uh, faithfulness, meekness, self control. If you are melancholic and you are allowed to be phlegmatic and she is allowed to be sanguine, how, how is it going to work? How is it going to work? So we have all these measures on the internet. You go, then you fill in, tick, tick, tick. You say, oh, I'm sanguine. <laughs> and because of that, you feel you are allowed. By whom? Who allowed you? Who allowed you? Who allowed you? Which Bible verse gave you the permission? When we see Jesus, First John 3, 2 says, we shall be like Jesus. You see? And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding us in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are being changed into the same image from one degree of glory to another by the Holy Spirit. You must change! You must change! You must change! Galatians 4.19 says, My little children, in whom I travail, till Christ be formed in you, not choleric, be formed in you. Christ be formed in you. That's what the scripture says. Not only that, you have received the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit in you is called the spirit of truth. Let's balance it. You have a spirit of truth. The Buddhist, the Muslim, the Shinto, the uh, Hindu, the Jujuma doesn't have any spirit of truth. Therefore, if after having spirit of truth, you are still lacking integrity, who should be put in hell? Grace. 
No, let's reason it out. These things, we need to watch them. The Christian church is just sitting on the fact that we are saved by grace. And they call the love of God unconditional love. Where did we get that from? Where, where is it from? Show me a Bible verse. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 says, If we sin willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no forgiveness of sins. No sacrifice for sins left. That's what the scripture says. And the verse 29 says, What you have done is that you have stamped Jesus under your feet. And you have counted the blood which was your sins as a common thing. And you have insulted the Holy Spirit. And verse 29 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And Hebrews 12, 29 says, our God is a consuming fire. What, 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 how do we understand grace? Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says that. I don't know what, how the NIV puts it. He says, the grace of God... Okay, you can read it. 11 and 12. Yes. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. I didn't hear it well. Please read it again. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Grace! Teaches us. Grace teaches us to say no. Grace teaches us to say no to that brown envelope. To say no to that lady who wants to use her beauty to get more marks in the classroom. It teaches us to say no for those people who want to melt kerosene into the bottle so that when they are serving you with one bottle full of, of, of kerosene, it is not enough. It, teaches, it says we should say no to people who knock the bottom of their olonka until it's pregnant. So that one olonka of Gary is really not an olonka. It teaches us to say no, 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 brothers and sisters. The grace of God that has appeared to all men to bring salvation teaches us to say no, no, no. That is what the scripture is saying. You have long stopped trembling at the word of God. That's why you hear it, but it doesn't mean anything to you. You smile it away. Another church service has come. We will soon close. And that will be the end. And then you just melt away. But you are doing the same thing. Eh? It's not a shame. That 75% of American pastors admit that they have been flirting with the women in the church. Is it not a shame? Eh? Why? Over 400 pastors, Catholic pastors and co. In one state, in the US, Chicago State alone, over 400 Catholic priests have been involved in sleeping with little children and, you know, why? These are, you are born again. Are you born again? Are you born again? Are you born again? Then grace teaches us to say no. 
Grace teaches us to say no. I have been a thief before. And a smart one at that. Yeah. My, I have 16 brothers and sisters. And my father had a lot of shops in the Volta region. And when I was growing up, before I was four years old, my mother divorced my, my father. So I was left to fend for myself. And any stepmother I went to, if she was tired, she threw me to another stepmother. Yes. Kindergarten, I was at Amfuega. Class 1, I was at Ho. Class 2, I was at Kute. Class 3, I was at, in KJB. Class 4, I was in Jessica. Class 5, first term, I was at Ho. Then second and third terms, I came back to Jessica. Class 6, I went back to Ho. Form 1, first term, I was in Jessica. Second and third terms, I was in Cortez. And then, uh, Form 2, first term, I was in Abutapa Abutwasi. Form 2, second and third terms, I was in Pando. I never attended one year of my life in school normally because my stepmothers chose where I should be. Therefore, I told myself, I'm not stealing from my father's shop. I'm taking. So I stole. I stole everything. I stole provision. I mean, those from Bishop Edmund who were my friends, then the school semester is over. The term is over. I still have milk. I still have sardine. My top box was full all the time. Because I knew when to steal. My brothers and sisters were always getting caught. Because they stole when school te- uh, uh, holidays were getting over. I never stole like that. I steal at the beginning of the vacation. And it went on until one day I stole what my brother stole and showed me where he kept the stolen items. And he came and caught me and gave me the name Kutelin the Taker. I am a, a, a professional thief. But I'm now born again. I'm born again. How do I know? The holy vacation. I took the rest of the money back to Papa and told him that, please, I was like this. Now, that is over. This is why my brothers called me Kutelin the Taker. And my father has been dead for 30 years now. More. God is my witness. I've never taken a pin from the shop. How do I know I've changed? Because I was in the mass department here. One day I went and told the, the secretary to give me some pins for my longacy. And he gave the pins to me. I put them in my shirt pocket. And as I turned to go, I felt like my pocket was burning. I said, what's going on? And I heard thief. I said, ah. But I asked, and I heard the voice, do they belong to him? So I went back to the secretary, took off the pins and gave them to him. He said, you don't need them again? I said, it's okay. How do I know I've changed? I am the head of our church. Money's checks pass through my hands which, you know, people cannot account for. How do I know I've changed? I know. Because the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us to say no. God bless you.
follow JFK Men's Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.